in today's show. I'm joined by Richard Stamen of the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast, and we're going to talk draft prospects, of course, including Shaden Sharp and Jaden Hardy. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we're available on all platforms. Last show of the week. And we're doing, again, a bunch of six uh, NBA draft prospects today. We're going to be covering off, as I said in the intro, um, Jaden Hardy, Shaden Sharp, Ryan Rollins, J.D. Davison, Jake LaRavia, and Matteo Spagnolo. We're going to be talking about those six guys with Richard Stamen. You may know him as Mavs Magic Draft over on Twitter. And he's also one of the hosts of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcasts. So, warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> Right, so here he is. Welcome back to the show, Richard Stamen. Richard, welcome. Hey, good to be back. I remember last year's uh, experience was a, a very fun one. I know we talked about Jalen Green and the likes. I'm excited to be back. So we've got some good stuff to talk about today. We've got six prospects we're going to cover off in today's show. And we're going to start how we've started with all of these shows I've been doing with draft analysts and talking about a player that you are a little bit higher on than the consensus opinion. And you've gone with uh, Ryan Rollins, the 6'3 guard out of Toledo. He's uh, 20 years of age. Well, what, what can you tell us about him? Yeah, Ryan Rollins is a very interesting player. You look at one of the best pick-and-roll ball handlers all around, somebody who can score out of pick-and-rolls at all three levels. He can pass in any way. He finds cutters out of pick and rolls, finds the roll man, finds the shooter. And like I said, he scores. He's pretty much in a way that's four different options. It's almost four-dimensional out of the pick and roll. And as we know, as a guard in this league, you have to be great in the pick and roll to thrive. And if this scales up from Toledo in the MAC, a mid-major, to the NBA, you're looking at a guy who I think he starts eventually in the NBA. So he's what six three. He's got a pretty good wingspan. It's like a plus six. It looks like about six ten wingspan plus, well, a bit under six ten. So that's that's decent. He is uh, just about to turn twenty after the draft um, as a sophomore, which is not particularly old. I guess the one thing we look at you talk about scorers and as a shooting guy, the scoring was all good. The thing I'll automatically first look at is three point percentage, and his was thirty one percent, and it wasn't on gigantic volume. It was just 30% of his shots were coming from three. He did hit his free throws at a really high rate, and he got to the line at a pretty solid rate as well. Are you concerned at all about that three-point shooting, which was you know, below average at 31%, or is that a thing that you th you think will push up, and he is a better shooter, better scorer than that at NBA level? I'm not worried about it. I think I trust the free throw percentage at 80% more than the 31% from three. But what does worry me is one of my knocks on Rollins is he struggles to shoot from deep three. Like you put him a foot behind the college line and a lot of his shots missed short. So 
that worries me. But ultimately, I think he has the touch and ability to get better at that and improve in that regard. Size-wise, he's only 6'3". Is that going to be an issue? Because he's not, he's not particularly... Yeah, he doesn't have a particularly huge weight. Like it's listed here as 179, so he's not huge in that respect. Um, is he, is that more point guardy sort of size, but will he actually play point guard in the NBA? Is it too small to, to play on the, you know, those six, five, six, six shooting guards in the NBA? Yeah, I think he's going to get a lot of run at point guard. So that'll negate a little bit of the hype, but another thing that helps is that wingspan. Like you said, yeah. I mean, he's got a plus six, almost seven wingspan. And I think that's going to help him a lot, especially, you know, you look at obviously the defensive end, he plays the passing lanes well, so that's good. Uh, and I think he can be able to guard both guard spots. But you look at him as a finisher, and I think that length to finish around guys, something that made like Donovan Mitchell, for example, a very good scoop finisher is just he has the length to sneak under guys, and he has a lot of flexibility. And I think that's something that's going to help him. Well, it hurt him a little bit, I think, the being 6'3", yeah, it's not ideal. Uh, but it's also not, you know, it's, it's enough to hold himself up. It's not like a flaw, in my opinion. It's just not ideal. Mitchell is the exact name I was going to bring up. A undersized shooting guard who can handle the ball a bit, but with such a high steal rate, he averaged 1.9 steals per 36 in college. And as I'll always say, like a high steal rate in college doesn't mean you necessarily be a good defender in the NBA or be a high steals guy in the NBA. But in general, it can be a pretty good indicator that you're going to have some sort of success in the NBA. Mitchell had a really high steal rate, and then his defense over the last three years has been atrocious. But He's used that level of defensive IQ and just basketball knowledge and ability to become, obviously, a great offensive player. So Rollins has got a similar sort of profile in that he's got good assist numbers, solid rebounder, really good length, good steal numbers. Do you? How much stock do you put in that? Like I know we put the, the the standard thing we look at is you know free throw percentage probably means more for shooting than three point percentage. And yeah, I, I like to look at that steal rate. Do you look at that as well as something like a good steal rate gives them a little bit of an edge heading into the NBA? Yeah, for the most part, I think most good college defenders are going to be able to force turnovers because, you know, they're better than their counterparts, especially when you're in the mid-major. I think that's a very important stat. I mean, he averaged one and just over one and a half steals per game. And and that steal rate was over, it was at 3%, up from 2.1 as a freshman. I, I think it's projectable. Yeah, and that's that's something to really look at. Anything that's over over two and a half is usually a pretty good number. Two and a half percent in steal rate um, is a really good number to look at. And Rollins has got that. Do you see? Would you pick him in the first round? Yeah, I would. I would honestly be comfortable taking him top twenty. Uh, I have him top twenty on my board, and I think a team that that wants a high upside creator and being able to run the pick and roll can be trusted in that regard should take him anywhere in the first round outside of the top uh pretty much outside the lottery we're going to get to your player who you're a little bit lower on in one second but before i do that i'm going to tell you that your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info is of course betonline.net you can find all of the latest sports developments news odds including the nba finals the nhl finals which are coming up really soon major league baseball latest fighting news mma ufc boxing all of that sort of stuff in fact for um game four of the nba finals they've got the odds up already the celtics are four point favorites for game four i think that's probably about right given the way that things have happened in the first couple of games there bet online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information including live betting esports and more so head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action bet online is where the game starts all right, Richard, the player that you're a little bit lower on than consensus is Jaden Hardy. 
another 20-year-old, six-foot-four guard this time, played for the G League Ignite. He's he's basically got the exact same birthday as Ryan Rollins, like two days apart. So they're about to turn 20 a week after the draft. Hardy's numbers are less impressive. Um, 27% shooting from three, although he took a ton of them, almost six and a half attempts per game. 35% overall on 17 attempts. That's a big usage. But he hit 88% from the line. So if I'm going to ask you that same question about Rollins, we'll talk about why you're down on Hardy in a second, but I just want to get this out of the way. Is he a projectably good shooter in the NBA? That's honestly something that's in his court because the skill, yes, he should be a good shooter. Like you said, 88% from the free throw line ridiculously just deep range. I mean, you look at his high school tape and he was shooting from half court. He was taking one dribble in and just pulling it and making him a good amount of time. The problem is in the G league, he just shot terrible shots and I think he kind of likes it. So ultimately, yes, he has the skill to be it. It's all up to him and how he plays into his NBA role. So why are you down on him? Because Hardy's range is all over the place. I've seen in mock drafts and sometimes it's like, pick 30 sometimes it's pick 16 sometimes it's pick 14 sometimes it's 22 like it seems to be all over the place so where are you sort of positioning him at the moment yeah i wouldn't touch him in the top 20 you look at these guys who they're very good scores but they don't offer a ton of value elsewhere i think he's I, I, actually i want to correct that he, he offers value as a playmaker a little bit but for me my issue lies in the fact that he's going to turn the ball over a lot he's going to be horribly inefficient and i don't think he really separates on drives Last year, we saw almost an anomaly of this build of a player be a good rookie in the league, and that was Cam Thomas. I think that was a very best-case scenario, and I think most guys in that mold don't succeed. But Cam Thomas had projectable traits, the low turnover rate, the, the free throw percentage was also there, and I think he learned to play within a role very quickly. Hardy's NBA success really just comes down to that. Will he be able to play in a role where he is not the featured scorer? And maybe he just is the featured scorer off the bench, something like that. How can he fit in with an NBA team? That's a big question for him. What do you make of his really low free throw attempt rate? Is that something that we just got to adjust to these guys playing in the G League? Would he have had a higher free throw attempt rate if he had have gone into a college environment? Or is he just someone who's just not adept at drawing contact and drawing fouls? Yeah, I don't know what to make of it out of the G League. It's tough. Um I wonder if some of it has to do with, I feel like explosive guys get more foul calls because they're just so much harder to stay in front of. And maybe that was it for him was, you know, he was trying to dance around guys. He also couldn't beat guys out of the, out of just first steps. He didn't explode past anybody. So I wonder how much that had to do with it. I I would bank on that being a big part of it. Defensively. Where is he? Is he disaster? Solid? Like, okay, great. Like where, where does he sit on that end? (laughs) <laughs> uh, the first one, disaster. <laughs> I, I project nothing on that end for him. Is that an effort thing? Is that a, an IQ thing? Is, is it a size thing? Uh, a little bit of everything. It's I, I'd say almost everything you said is it's a blend. I just These guys who are pure scorers, also, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, actually. The G League puts very little emphasis on defense. Two of the more high-effort defenders in the G League were his teammates, Marshawn Beauchamp and Dyson Daniels. So maybe it's unfair to him, but I just I don't think many guys in his mold generally play that way. And and you just look at his play style offensively, doesn't really need to. I think his best chance is playing off ball uh, defensively. The Cam Thomas um, comp is pretty interesting. Um, just you know, we saw Thomas have that role on a very specific sort of team, though. 
So does Hardy need that sort of role to really succeed? Um, and yeah, he was he came into last season as a really highly regarded recruit, yeah, you know, through the ESPN high school rankings and all that sort of stuff. But obviously, Star has fallen a little bit. Is there still? We've seen a lot of those guys who have come in with that high ranking. I think back to Nasir Little and, and Cam Reddish, who came in as you know, top three, top five sort of high school guys, and then struggled in their year in college. And this is obviously a little bit different in the G League, but they've never gotten back to anywhere near that level that they had as a prospect coming out of high school do we think that hardy is going down that same sort of path where you know you don't get that um elite prospect i guess value back yeah i think so just like even in his best version of himself if he's a great bench scorer i mean he has to be like we will i think to really be that like a generational six man pretty much and i'm just not confident that something like that'll happen just I mean, I, I honestly don't know if he's going to make it 10, 10 years in the league. Just if he's not going to be able to score, what's his value? Like, yes, he can pass a little bit, but his game is heavily founded in scoring. This brings us to the next guy, who is another player who yeah, fits a similar, I guess, I don't know if it's mold necessarily, but he's a two-guard and someone that we don't we have even less information on, and that is Shaden Sharp, the... 19-year-old 6'5 guard from allegedly from Kentucky. Obviously, we never saw him play at Kentucky, so we don't really know what to what to think of him. We've got some you know, EYBL numbers. We've got some fever under-19 numbers or under-16 numbers. I don't even know which one it is. Um, obviously, the mess of stuff happening at Kentucky. He's projected really high in the draft. Is that just the mystery box portion of that? Like, oh, well, when we saw him at this level two years ago, he was yeah, putting up these sort of numbers. And we think it can get there. Like, where, where are we with him? Like, how do we make heads or tails of what happened this season? It's all going to come out through Intel. Uh, Intel is going to be key with a guy like Shaden Sharp. Will he work out beyond one on zero? Um, I've heard he will, which is interesting. So, and, and that stuff's coming like next week. So we'll know pretty quick, I think, of if there's some stuff about his stock changing next week, I would put real, real stock in that uh, amount about it being real. But, you look at a guy who, I mean, in theory, he's a he's a guy who has a near seven foot wingspan, three level scoring, can pass out of drives, thrives in quick offense. I mean, that's tailor made for the NBA as a, a two guard, and I think he's got the mold to be that. So he's here, six five, six eleven wingspan. So we're talking about plus six there again. Um, is he a pure two, or is he a guy that's got some ball handling upside can he play up and play at the three in smaller sort of lineups do you think or is he just going to be really pigeonholed into that position yeah i think especially early he's going to be pigeonholed into being a two but i think he has to create enough handle to set up some jump shots where you can maybe have him as a one the hard thing about the eybl and high school tape is just what do you make of it right because he was clearly the best player on the court every single time he stepped on the court is he a willing passer? What's his defense like? Things like that. That's going to be what really dictates. Does he play just the two? Does he move down? Or does he scale up as a three or a one? Where do you have him? Like, you know, he's widely being mocked in that four to seven range, I guess, most commonly seemingly at either five or six to the Pistons or the Pacers. Is there... Is that the range that you have him? And is there a team that you think he would be better suited to go to and or one that would be like a horrible mistake for him to go to? Yeah, I so I have him eighth on my board, and that's actually the spot I think would be best for him is New Orleans. I think his range really starts at six. I'd be pretty shocked if he goes to Detroit, but 
I wouldn't rule it out. I'd just be pretty stunned. But I also said the same thing about Giddy going very high last year. Could be wrong. Uh, I think his range extends into double digits, though. Like, there's a chance he extends all the way down to Washington, maybe even further, depending on how much teams are scared to take him, just based on you know potentially who he's around, things like that. What I mean, the whole antics that have gone through this draft cycle are crazy. So it's hard to say, but I would take him in New Orleans. I think it's a great fit for him to develop. I think it complements if he hits, of course. You complement Ingram, you complement Zion, and that's three stars right there. If they, if if he's a success. In general, Richard, I don't know if you agree with this or not, but this draft class is considered weaker than last year and some of the other years are probably less um, you know, top-end talent. There's obviously a lot of you know, rotation-ish sort of guys, but once you head probably out of that top three, maybe top four, you include Ivy in that mix. Is Sharp the guy with that you know, multi-all-star level upside over any of these other guys in a class that maybe is a little bit bereft of that caliber of upside player? In theory, yes. In actuality, I have my number one player outside of the top four guys in Ivy, Paolo, Chad, and Jabari. I have Benedict Matherin. I think he's the real chance to you look at a wing that has the size, length, athleticism, defense, and shooting. Even if he's like a decent passer, that's all he needs. I think you're looking at a star mold. This draft is unfortunately sandwiched next to two of the greatest drafts of the last, like, uh, of this century, honestly. I mean, last year was a generational one. Next year is not going to be any worse with Victor Wembanyama. It's a tough picture to paint, but uh, so maybe our expectations are a little bit too high. I think there's still some gems that can be had. It's going to be really intriguing. Like he's one of those guys you talk about, like mystery players, and people often mislabel that because like, he played in Australia or he played in Europe or he played for the G League. Nobody knows about him, which is garbage. But we just haven't seen this guy play. Like no one has seen Shaden Sharp really play in a competitive environment, really ever. Like EYBL sort of counts, but it doesn't really. So we just don't know what we're going to get out of this guy. So that's going to be a really yeah. We talk boom or bust all the time. Like it, we who like literally who knows? We just talked about Jaden Hardy being the number two recruit. And you may be sliding out of the first round now, whereas maybe that you're taking Sharp at pick five or six, and he ends up the same as Jaden Hardy as a guy that you wouldn't want to take a or waste a first round pick on, which might be, yeah, it could be disastrous for teams that are picking in that zone. So it is fraught with a lot of danger to have a look at a player who just we haven't seen play in that level of environment for a year or so, and even then, never really at that level. So a lot of a lot of question marks there with him. We'll get to the uh, remaining players in just a sec, but before we do that, I can tell you about Sakara. Feeling your best starts with what you eat, and Sakara is a company that helps uh, to do that, help you seek wellness and joy and abundance in all areas of your life. And it starts again with what you eat: nutrient dense meals, snacks, and supplements, nourishing your body without ever sacrificing sacrificing taste or quality. So, looking your best and feeling your best doesn't mean deprivation. Choose joy. Choose abundance. Sakara's organic, plant-rich, transformational nutritional programs are designed to help you cultivate body intelligence. A lot of big words there to say this is good food that's good for you. Sakara is a wellness company anchored in food as medicine on a mission to nourish your body through the power of plants. Sakara's functional, plant-rich, wellness essentials help you create a body you love living in. And right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash locked on 20 or enter the code locked on 20 at checkout. That's sakara, S A K A R A.com slash locked on 20 to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash locked on 20. All right, another guard. Let's talk JD Davison, 20 year old, six foot three point guard. 
out of oh, he's not twenty yet. He'll be twenty by the time the NBA season starts. Twenty he'll be twenty yeah twenty year old season. That's what I'm trying to say. A freshman point guard, a little bit on the shorter side, six two, Alabama. Um, all right, number one question we always want to ask guards again: shooting thirty percent from three. He hit only seventy three from the line. So is this going to be the thing that holds him back? Yes, and I think that combination of shooting and turnovers is a lethal combination. You look at his turnover rate was very high. And uh, one of the locked on NBA big board hosts, Sam Ferris, draft dummy, pointed out freshman guards with his shooting and turnover numbers, uh, his turnover percentage was absurd. I mean, I, I don't know the last time I saw a guard with this high of a number, but 27% turnover percentage on you have three turnovers a game. And when you do that in 26 minutes, it's going to be a high number. Uh, that is highly alarming. That's something that one, you can't shoot and you're turning the ball over. What do you do on offense? So that's a major fatal flaw for him in that combination. He averaged eight points a game in 26 minutes. And a guy I talked about a couple of days ago, Dalen Terry is one of those guards who is just a guy get, generating a lot of assists, but just never scoring and having really low usage. And this guy's usage is slightly higher, but still eight points at a college level is, to me, it just doesn't cut it. Like you need to be able to do something. Like his, his passing is not that good where you can get away, in my mind, with averaging or being that, bad of a shooter or that passive of a scorer um, heading into the NBA. There's a lot of red flags there for me. Is there anything that you can look at and sell me on and go, oh, actually, the passing is this good, or actually, the um, scoring might be able to ramp up or do something like that? Because there's a lot of things there where I go, I, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I think it's tough. It's really tough for me to sell you on him because I don't know if his defense is that good outside of off-ball defense. I think he's fine there. But his best role might be an off-ball player offensively. I mean, he's I think he's got good upside as a spot-up shooter. But creating his own shot and being a primary ball handler, like how are you going to be able to score? Because I don't think he, he scores off the dribble. He's not that strong. Um, his best offensive trait is really having a first step. But, I mean, so do a lot of players in the NBA. That, that lead skill of a great first step gets completely negated against the, in the NBA just against good defenders. Is there like really good rebounding numbers? Is there any any path for him to be not not Bruce Brown because Bruce Brown's obviously this elite level defender, but as a shorter guard who dabbled with playing point guard at times and now plays like a power forward center sort of role? Can Davison do that with that added passing ability in there if he can keep the turnovers under control, like sort of a, a weirdo guard? big man hybrid in a small body. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but is there something there in that where you know, the typical roles we assign to lead ball handlers, he just doesn't have? Yeah, I, I don't know if he could be a Bruce Brown type or anything like that. Um, I, I just don't know how good of an on-ball defender he can be without adding a ton of strength. You know, like, I, I don't know how he measured so well in the combine. I thought I always thought he had short arms, but he measured at, I think, like 6'7 wingspan, so that's plus yeah. three or four. Um, for me, I mean, one of the comparisons I use for him, this is kind of a an obscure player, but Kai Bowman from the Warriors, he was somebody who he liked to play big, but he really couldn't shoot. And he turned the ball over a lot, and he was like, he knew what to do, and he had the athleticism, but he just couldn't put it into fruition. And I, I worry that's the same path J.D. Davidson's going down. Let's go to a guy that's a bit bigger this time. We've done a lot of guards here, and this time we're going to look at a forward, and that is Jake LaRavia. The 21-year-old, six-foot-eight forward from Wake Forest, who seemingly is getting mocked nearly every time in between pick 27 and pick 32. It feels like I talk a lot about this show about 
wing-sized players, forward-sized players, you know, 6'7 to 6'9, 6'10 sort of guys. He fits right in there. He hit 38% of his threes. He would have liked him probably to take a few more um, from out there. Only 2.2 attempts per game in his 34 minutes, but he scored well. He's got good steal rate again, which is always a positive. Um, a little bit older. He'll turn 21 just at the start of the NBA season. So Laravia is it's got that forward sized is he the forward sized player that the nba teams are looking for that can shoot and can switch defensively or is he going to be left in a little bit limbo like a forward sized player that can shoot a little bit like a dylan winler for example who was picked towards the end of the first round a couple of years ago yeah i i actually i'm very optimistic on laravia's approach to the game because or excuse me his outcome because of his approach to the game He's an absolute student of the game. He loves basketball, is a hard worker. Just I, I think those intangibles, I think it matters. I mean, I'm, I'm a Mavs fan. I've seen Dwight Powell stick in the league despite him really. A lot of people wrote him off, but the work ethic and the love for the game, I think it really does push some of these guys up being the best version of themselves. And guys like LaRavia, when I first watched him, I thought he was a center. I He looks a lot bigger than the 6'8 he is. Yes, his frame is weird, not that not that long six eight with six nine and a half wingspan eight eight standing reach so and he's like an okay athlete but he's got such good touch at the rim i think he's top three cutter at the very worst in the draft you look at alanis williams from wake forest his teammate is crowned the best passer in the draft but i actually think it's jake laravia made him be the best passer because of his elite cutting ability and when you're an elite cutter with a jump shot and ability to handle the ball a little bit I think that's a, a great combination that gets you to stick. And then on top of that, the intangibles to have the drive to get better every single day and the work ethic that ba- that backs it. Gigantic free throw rate, 53% free throw rate and hit him at 78%. So that's, that's hugely positive in terms of getting to the line that much and being able to convert those shots. Fantasy basketball people will love if LaRavia can become a really impactful rotation or even a starter player because his fantasy stat translations are, are through the roof. Like good assists, blocks, steals, rebounds, three-point shot, everything is good, but you just need him to get those minutes. So you know, is he a guy that you would project to be a starter because of that? You're just, I'm not going to, they're not the same player, but like Grant Williams, it's just he's just good at being good. And everything sort of ends up fitting around that. And, you know, three years in, we're starting to see that with Grant Williams now. Is that he's just going to be good at what he does. And whatever the shortcomings are, he'll work at it and improve them over the course of the first couple of years. Yeah, I don't even know what some of the shortcomings are. I've tried, I've hunted for these flaws. And all of them are just so minor. I'm like, I can't even list that. Because if I did that, I should redo everybody else's scouting reports. I think he's somebody that eventually starts. I mean, I talk about the cutting. That's going to be huge. You get him next to a primary ball handler that that thrives in an off-ball offense. I mean, you look at Golden State, put him in that offense, he's a starter. There's no question. I don't care who is around him. He is going to be able to play 25 minutes a game. What, what about this one then? Okay, so you talk about cutting. Golden State, he gets mocked to all the time at pick 28 or whatever it is. What about him at 21 to the Denver Nuggets? Oh, my God. Him and Jokic, that yeah. is... That that's another spot where I think you put him and he's a starter or he's playing. I mean, he's someone that he forces Will Barton out of town, something like that, where you look at, I mean, Will Barton's a decently versatile player on offense, I like to think. And I think Laravia can unseat him pretty quickly. They play a little bit different positions, but they do a lot of the same thing. It's going to be really interesting to see where he goes because, again, all of his stat translations are amazing. They're so, so good. And 
and yeah, he's. I'm warming up a lot more the more I watch and the more I read about him over the last yeah, few days. And when I do my next mock draft next week, I think you'll see him rise in the uh, on the list there. The last guy we're going to talk about today, Richard, is another Italian prospect. I spoke about an Italian guy, the Gabriel Presida, yesterday, I think it was, with Corey. And we're doing now Matteo Spagnolo, the 6'5", 19-year-old guard from Cremona, who shot unbelievably well 44% from three um, 86% from the line so I don't look at that and go well it's fluky I think yeah those two things marrying together is a really good sign but you know he's a European wing so the number one question I'm going to ask you Richard is like can he defend anything at all well a lot of that depends on how much stronger he gets and um, just really reducing the out of controlness to his game. He's raw in that way where he has very good skills on both ends. I think he's got the potential to be an okay defender physically. A lot of it's mental and just will he be able to control himself and make the right play on a quick decision? Will he be able to do those things? That's a swing skill for him. Right now, I don't know. I would probably gamble no, just being 6'4". I would take the odds and say no. But... If he puts it together and gets the game to slow down, there's a possibility, yes. How You, you may know this. I don't know, but let's ask the question anyway. In 675 minutes that he played last season, how many blocks do you think he had? Uh, not many. I would say one. One block in 25 games and 675. That's Evan Fournier level of, uh, of lack of block numbers. He did have 19 steals because those 25 games, so another putridly low number. So all those things maybe go, okay, well, can you do anything defensively? How would you compare him with a Gabriel Procida? They're they're different players because I buy I buy Spagnola's jumper a lot more than Procida. I think that's a big one. Um for I, I don't really know how to that's a that's a very tough question. I don't know why I'm so stumped, but I just I think I buy Spagnola just being better at the things that they both do decently similarly. I, I think once you look at the turnover rate dropping for Spagnolo, I think that's going to be a massive uh, deciding factor for him. And ultimately, I just buy the jump shot a lot more. I think that's really the big difference maker between the two. One thing we always hear about European prospects and European teams is that you know minutes aren't gifted. Right, you have to work hard to get. Minutes on these good teams. So I guess people's number one question will be, well, he played 27 minutes a night. Was Cremona a good team or were they a bad team? And that's why he got the minutes. Yeah, the Italian league isn't that strong. Um, but I think he's a good player. It's hard to get a lot of minutes on a young team. Uh, excuse me, as a young player on a big team. The Italian league was okay. It, it grew, I would say, this year. It surpassed Germany, uh, which had been the top four or so league in, in uh, Europe. but So Italy was a top four or five league in Europe at the very least. So take that as you will. I think it was still decent competition. It wasn't Spain or anything, though. It's going to be interesting to see how it's not a very strong uh, European class. So guys like uh, Prashida and Spagnolo are going to be yeah, a part of this, whereas other years you don't have that top-end guy that we've had in uh, in previous, previous seasons. So... Richard, that'll do it for us today. Tell everyone where they can find you, social media, podcasts across our network, and uh, what you guys have got coming up. 
Yeah, uh, at Mavs Draft on Twitter is pretty much where everything I do goes through there, whether it's something on my site, MavsDraft.com for big boards, scouting reports, mock drafts, anything like that. But also the Locked On NBA Big Board Show. We, we're the only NBA draft show that's five days a week. And we have a ton of talent on the show with a ton of good content. Go and check out uh, Richard and Sam and, of course, Raf over on NBA, Locked On NBA Big Board. And uh, check Richard out on Twitter at Mavs Draft. Richard, thanks for coming on again and uh, chatting draft prospects with me. I appreciate you having me. And that'll do it for me today. What did you think about Shaden Sharp, Jaden Hardy, uh, Jake LaRavia? who I mispronounced at the start of the show. Apologies to Jake and all his mates. Let me know down in the comments below. Tweet it at me. Follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you're here on YouTube, you know what to do. Thumb it up. Drop your comments. Guys, we're done. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.